Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Before we get into the word, it's great to welcome all the guys from Scarborough, Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Uh, Pastor Paul and, and Kate, do you guys want to stand up? Paul, do you, do you guys want to come up here for a minute? Both Paul and Kate. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be great just to kind of give us an update. What's happening in, in Yorkshire, the sunny north? Sunny. The sunny north. God's home, God's whatever, what's, what do they call Yorkshire? God's own county. God's own county, yeah. So let us know what, what God is doing in his own county. That'd be good. Well, you know, one of the things that's impacted us is Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And even in the fact that they're called Father and Son and Holy Spirit, you've got that built in that they are in relationship. You can't be a father unless there's a son or a daughter. You can't be a son unless there's a parent. And the Holy Spirit is the Ruach. It's the breath of God. You don't get more intimate than the breath. The breath that God breathed into Adam and brought him into life. Yeah. And so you see this wonderful, circling, dynamic, exciting relationship right at the core <laughs> of everything we are is relationship yeah. one to another. And that powerful relationship wasn't like in some kind of holy huddle. It turned around and said, let's go into this world that we've created and connect with those we have created. The sun was sent from heaven into the earth to make known that God loves the people of this world and wants to connect. God sent the Holy Spirit on us lot, the church, to say, come on church, us together, we are going to make Jesus famous throughout this land. Do you want to make Jesus famous? Oh, I do. And I know you do. Yeah, this is what's happening in Yorkshire. <laughs> no, it really, really is what's happening in Yorkshire. Because then you get this incredible sense of community. When God said, let us, us, make God in our image, who do you think the us and the our are talking about? What do you think that image was? It was an image of community and perfect love and perfect relationship. And God has shown us in creation the power of the connection. If you go microscopic down to atoms, you'll discover that atoms are, are made of protons, neutrons, and electrons spinning around one another. But the energy of an atom is not in the bodies, the neutron and the electron and the proton. It's in the connections. It's called nuclear force. And you know what you can do with that. But it's the connection that's the power. The connection in the Trinity, the connection in the body that God has given us, the nuclear force that we have is love. And that love didn't stay in heaven saying, this is great. We've got a great thing going here, Jesus. Oh, we sure have, Father. What do you think, Holy Spirit's amazing? 
They said, let's go. And the Father sent the Son into the world. And the Father sent the Spirit into the world. Let me tell you, this church, the church, is not sending you into the world. Heaven is sending you into the world. You don't have a mission from this place. You have a mission from heaven. When God sends His church, when Jesus said, I'm sending you, He wasn't just saying, yeah, the church will send you. You'll get a nice blessing from the pastor. I mean, that's all part of what we do. But Clive doesn't send you. A church leader doesn't send you. God Himself sends you into the world as He sent the Son, as He sent the Holy Spirit, that we can be Christ as people can read us in the world. Isn't that cool? There's a, a famous Anglican bishop called Leslie Newbigin who wrote in, the, I think it was in the 90s, uses an odd word this, the church is the hermeneutic of the gospel in the world. I got it in, guys! <laughs> Hermeneutics is when you look at the Bible and you say, that's awesome, how do we live that now? Our exegesis is you get right down into the scripture and see where it was historically and what it meant historically so we can understand it now. And then hermeneutics says, I know they're funny words, hermeneutics says, well, if that's what it means, how do we live it? And so this bishop was saying, don't leave the word in the word, in the Bible. What the world needs to see is a church that's living it. He just said it in bishopy language. The church must be the hermeneutic of the gospel. But actually, it's a powerful expression. The church must be that living word because we're not sent by the church. The church doesn't have a mission. God has a mission. We're joining his mission in the world. Have you ever felt like, oh, we're being sent out of this building? I mean, I know we physically leave it and we go out the front door. But we're not sent out from here to go and do some other different kind of stuff. We are sent into the world to live out our Christ-given, God-given calling here and now. You're as much a minister in the factory, in the supermarket, in the school, in the workplace as you are when you stand up here encouraging one another to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, to join that divine dance of the Holy Spirit, that constant changing of movement, getting into what God's doing. What have you got for me today, Lord? Where's the dance taking me today? What's going to happen to the dentist today? All of us called by God. But not, oh yeah, I've got a calling. I expect I'll do something different. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You're in your small corner and I in mine. The light that's shining in you is the same light that brought into being the entire universe. You don't have a little light. You have a light that changes. You have a light that when darkness ceases approaching, it flees in the other direction. It's not a light that makes darkness tremble. It's a light that makes darkness disappear, flee, run, hide. Even though you're just little old, you can do nothing apart from Christ, but you have Christ living in you. You are sent by God 
You are called by God and sent by Jesus into this world, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever problems you might still have, even if you haven't been on the freedom course, and even if you have been on the freedom course, you are still chosen and called and sent. You will never, well, unless you're really cool, but you will never be thinking I'm totally perfect now. That would probably be your issue if you are. But (laughs) at last, I have made the grade. This is it. Today, I will go out those doors and I will see people fall to the floor because now I am free. You're free to do it now. Yes, God will deal with things in your life that will bring revelation and set you free and cause you to skip and dance. But actually, you're free now. The person that says yes to Jesus and surrenders their life, they're free, they're anointed, they're full of the Holy Spirit, they can speak in tongues, they can prophesy. At that moment, they can start leading others to know Jesus. They can, see, uh, they can lay hands on the sick and see them get well because it's not dependent on us, it's dependent on Him. And that's kind of what's happening in Yorkshire. The practical outworking in that is it makes our heads spin. We've got so involved in what God is doing in the town. Our question is, what are you doing, Lord? We want to join in with you. And sometimes you find that in strange places. Sometimes you don't find it in church mission. You find it when you join with some others, maybe who aren't even saved yet, to do something significant in the town. God's doing this. This is the light. And then people start to understand the truth. And the truth sets them free. So yeah, we've, we've been blessed with all sorts of things. This week, I know of at least two meetings, one in council, uh, county council level, one in borough council level, as they once more discuss how we can release funding to Kingdom Faith. North Yorkshire Yorkshire County Council commissioned a report by a consultancy firm called Sky Blue who did a lot of the consultancy on the Olympics to assess our social value. Does Kingdom Faith Church make a difference? Is it worth funding was the question. The overwhelming conclusion of this report, by the grace of God, and there's no other thing, because they went and talked to people in the town that we don't even know. Is this place worth it? Does it make a difference? And it came back overwhelmingly. And this is what the published report now says. Yes, it does. Now, local government likes to talk about money. And so they have a money scale. They call it social value. And you have gross social value and net social value. But um, they came up with that for every pound that you that local government could sow into the work that we do, the gross return was £17. So you put in a pound, you get £17 worth of feedback. The net figure was £5 something. Isn't that a good investment? Wouldn't you like a 500% investment on your savings? (laughs) And that's what this report says. It takes some mountains to move for local government money to go into church because that's why they had to commission this report because they've got to justify it to all kinds of other people. But it all happened because I was driving along and God said, I want you to go to that meeting in that vicarage. This was in 2009. 
Go in, no, 2008. Go in to that meeting in the vicarage. I thought, why would I go to that vicarage? I know that vicar. He's very high church. He's, he's not that enthusiastic about me. <laughs> and uh, I did go. And I ended up in a meeting with the police and the council that were meeting there. And it was the beginning of all the different angels projects that we do. And it's led to everything. It's even the fact that we have a building in the high street because you don't normally get bars in the high street and get planning permission to change them into churches. <laughs> Especially when you're two doors down for the town hall anyway. It's not like we can do anything undercover. <laughs> we have to obey all local regulations because <laughs> they're watching. But, yeah, we got that permission. The day our application went in for that building, the... Um, the director of the council went down into the planning department and said, make sure this gets through, this is important for our town. I know, because she told me. That was favour. But it was favour because we, uh, I don't know how much we realised it then, but what had come upon us was the idea that we were there on God's mission. You know the, the, the city set upon a hill? That bright beam of light so everybody knows. We, we, we have a, a, a scripture that's fundamental to us that God gave me and Kate when we were, I think when we were in Spain, before, when we were praying about going to Yorkshire. And uh, it says, and it, it's in the King James. I like the King James better for this verse. And it was noised that Jesus was in the house. And it's been our passion and our, our desire that people will talk about that's where Jesus is. Now, when we had that, we had no building. And it's not really about the building. It's about the people. But we live in a very building-centric culture. So it's great that there is a place that's open every day of the week. And it's full of people. Our footfalls at least 1,000 people a week just coming in and out of the building. We built it as a mission center, not as a church building. We have a building that's a community center, a missional community center, where the church meets. And... So it's full of people. There's more people who are not saved use that building than the Christians use it, which is kind of odd, isn't it? But praise God. But I know you're a praying people, so we just, I pray. Will you pray for us? There's, we're, we're, it feels like we're at a tipping point. You know, there's more people from, we have little builders too. There's more people from little builders, more parents from little builders suddenly turning up on Sunday mornings. And it feels like, come on, we just need to tip over here. We're right there, it feels like, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. So that's kind of what's happening. But it's all come from the Trinity. That beautiful, perfect representation of community and love. But it's not a love that dies because it turns inward. It's a love that's so strong that it wants to bring others in to that love and that community. And we, we're, not, we're not good at it. We're very imperfect at it. We're really learning. We're really on a journey. And we, we fail regularly, you know. But we just want to get better. We just want to be even more dependent on God to see the love of God. We, we're so blessed that these people that come into the building, because we have a, a cafe there, and being on in such a center of town, you know, obviously people use it. And... Um, so person after person after person who don't know God will say, there's such an amazing sense of peace in this place. Or why is there such love here? And it's God's presence. 
And it's God's presence in the people that are there because a lot of us are there during the week. And people keep wanting to use our place for different things because I say that's... We, we joined the council outreach program. So we're supposed to do outreach. <laughs> and the council were doing an outreach because I don't know how much you know, but there's a terrible, terrible problem in our nation with loneliness. And it's documented, the research is, is done on it to show that loneliness is a, a precursor to very serious mental and physical health problems. It kills more people than cigarettes. Loneliness. Um, because I, I, I was shocked to read that physical health problems are linked to it as well, for various reasons, which we won't go into. Now, we're the church. We have a trinity that's showing perfect love and perfect community. If there's one piece, if there's one group of people in this nation that has an answer to the problem of loneliness, it's the church. It's the perfect community. You see, the thing is, we've, we've grown up in, the, in this world, and there's a thing called the myth of the individual in secular studies, uh, but heavily adopted by some theologians. The myth, of the, the, the myth of the individual says that our greatest success is when we succeed as ourselves, not being dependent on other people, not needing other people, having that this is me, this is my world. I might connect through Instagram, but that's, you know, I don't need other people. I need to get a successful job. I need to be earning money. I need these shoes and I need to win the X factor and my life will be fulfilled. But what that leads to is loneliness. How many times have you heard of famous stars, musicians, footballers, whatever, who actually at the core are still lonely and feel unfulfilled? Why? Because the Trinity shows us that our identity is in connection. Our identity is who we are in Christ. But who we are in Christ is as we gaze upon God and as we look at one another because we're sat next to the body of Christ. How frightening that Phil is part of my identity. <laughs> it's much more scary the way around for him, I assure you. Simon here, who I've known for donkey's years. We were in primary school. No, we weren't. <laughs> He's part of my identity. He has framed who I am, the relationships we've had, the arguments that we've had, <laughs> the way we've sparked one another and the way we've loved one another. is part of who we are now. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It actually enables us to be the persons that God has created us to be. We're not individuals. We are personalities. We are persons. And we join with not in sort of one great hodgepodge, we're still people. We join with the three persons of the Trinity to become that powerful community that others say, that's different, that's got something. I, I want to be part of that. In part of my research work recently, I, I was doing things with the congregation, and it was interesting to find... People that have been in the church, according to how they consider themselves part of the church, longer than they've been Christians. <laughs> they are Christians, but they weren't. Why, why on earth would you join a mad bunch of people? Because it was the community they felt. <laughs> I, I've, I've talked to the, uh, one of them since, and he's, he's, he's gloriously going on, God, on, on with God. Uh, there, there's still some things God wants to deal with him, but 
And still some things that would cause him to be not accepted in some places, I guess. But he said, I was accepted. People just accepted me as I am. And he said, and that made me want to change. I said, well, what? who told you? He said, nobody told me. God told me. He said, but I knew I had the security that it was okay because people loved me as I was. I wasn't trying to perform. I wasn't trying to be a, a perfect Christian. He said, but I do want to be more and more like Jesus. But he says, and he said, this place gave me that security because I knew if I didn't do it or if I failed. He said, I know now if I go out and do something really stupid, you guys are just going to welcome me back and help me to get back on my feet again. He said, and that makes me so strong. That's what we need to be. I, I often refer to it as the, the Jesus and the woman at the well situation. You know, when he sat down next to that unacceptable woman in the unacceptable town full of unacceptable people and spoke to her. The disciples freaked out that he was speaking to a woman in the middle of the day at the well. And I, I love, I know I can't preach on this, but I love that Jesus makes himself, this is God, this is the Son of God, this is Jesus incarnate in the world, vulnerable to her. Because his whole, whole reputation as a rabbi, if you like, is on the line. Rabbis do not do what he's doing right now. But he knows he's doing what the Father wants him to be doing. And he makes himself even more vulnerable to this woman. This woman who's had many husbands and is not living a godly life by any extreme. If you look into it, she's a rejected person in a rejected town. Sikar is the village or the town. It means town of lying and drunkenness. And she's not acceptable in that town. <laughs> and Jesus, I mean, he shouldn't, even be, he shouldn't be talking to a woman. And yet he says to her, can you get me some water? He puts himself in her debt. And I think there's so much to learn in that as the church. We don't just have to meet needs. We can actually go and ask people to help us. Because the actual thing is, we don't go out into the world. We've just been sent from heaven to be here in this world. So we're not going out. Out there is God. In here is God. Out there is anointed. In here is anointing. Out there, to use the old expression, God speaks to me. In here, God speaks to me. I mean, the gathering is, is vital. The gathering is essential. We don't give up meeting together. <laughs> Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, the writer to the Hebrews says, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. We gather to encourage one another. We, encourage to, we actually gather to preach to one another, not standing in the hub out the back there going, so the Lord says to you, <laughs> but we're actually encouraging one another in the word in every meeting. Every person here this morning, sometimes it's described as a cog in a machine. You're not in a cog in a machine because there is no machine. It's a body. Bodies are messy. You can't just take a cog out and put it somewhere else. If you take a part of a body out, it requires blood and surgeons. It's messy. All right, We're a body and you're an essential part to that body. And because you're an essential part, you have an essential role, an essential way to do things every Sunday that you're here. Clive was going to bring the word. Um, (laughs) 
I'll tell you a secret. He asked me to preach, and I said, no, I'd like my church to hear you speak. <laughs> Sorry, church. <laughs> it's about joining people on their journey. We want to reach Muslims, don't we? We're not going to reach Muslims by telling them that they're terrorists and a terrible thing that's happening in the world and what they believe is rubbish. How do you feel if somebody comes up to you and says, what you believe is rubbish? It's a fairy story. It's a flying teapot. And Christians are a danger to the world. They've caused all the wars. I mean, there are people that say this kind of stuff. How does that make you feel? Angry, indignant. No, it's not. Well, how do you think a Muslim feels? You put yourself in the mosque, listening to what they're listening to. They're not all listening to go and be violent and angry. Most of the time, they are listening to be community, be together, live good lives in submission to Allah. I'm not saying it's true. But I'm not going to win somebody by just saying to them all that's wrong in their life. I need to sit down and say, can you get me a glass of water? You see, some Christians are afraid to go into a mosque. What are you afraid about? You're the light. You're the light. It's not going to get the darkness on you. Have you ever seen darkness? Snuff out a candle. Have you ever got your phone out on torch mode? And because the room is so dark, the phone goes out. <laughs> oh, it's so dark in here, my torch isn't working. <laughs> this is a really dark place. Well, if it's a really dark place, the iPhone's going to look even brighter. But so often we might walk into a mosque on the defensive, a little bit old. You know, there's, there's demons in this place and all that kind of stuff. So, what if there is? What if there isn't? You're the light. You're a child of God. Go and love. Go and show them that there's something different than people that want to fight physically for beliefs. You know the great Jewish statement of faith from the Old Testament. Know that the Lord your God is one. It's the statement by which everything they believe stands. The word one is echad. There are two words for one in Hebrew. can't remember what the other one is. One of the words for one means one. But it means one unique thing. There is one pulpit there. It's a unique pulpit. There's no other in this building like it. That's unique one. There is in this building one body of Christ. Made up of many. The word that's used in the Hebrew for know that the Lord your God is one. Is the one of many. Interesting. It doesn't prove Trinity. It doesn't prove anything. But all these things are so interesting, aren't they? Let us make God in our image. 
Why do I say that? Why do I mention that right at that point? Because the plurality of God, the persons of God, shows us that love one to another is not central to everything God has for us to do now. We can't do it in isolation. When we gather like this to God, I love the way you've got the seats set out these days because, it's, because of the turning in. It emphasizes that in this worship, we meet with God. We are gathering to hear from God. Not just me to get my word, although that's important and valuable. But we will hear from God. We will hear from God about what we have to do because we are a community. And we are a community north and south as well. We've all got the same label. We also have the rather bigger label of in Christ, but that's another thing. That we are meeting and gathering to hear from God together, to meet with God together, to hear what he has for us to do together. But we've been so powerfully taught from our upbringing that being dependent on someone is a weakness. It's a weakness if you're so dependent on somebody that you cannot do anything else. I mean, truly what we need is an interdependence. But we don't need a gathering of independent individuals that together makes the church. We actually are one body, as the Lord God is Echad, one God. So completely together, so dynamic, such a, a beautiful dance. They have a great Greek word for it. It's called perichoresis. This is often translated as divine dance because the picture is of this constantly moving God, constantly supporting one another, the Father sending the Son, the Son dependent on the Father, the Spirit coming upon the Son, enabling them to do whatever they've got to do for that moment. You see, so often if you want to draw a picture of a church structure, you've got to, we copy the world's sort of structural diagrams. CEO at the top, management level, management level, everybody else. Hierarchy. There's no hierarchy in the Trinity. There's seniority, or there's, there's, it's not to deny God is God, and it's not to deny leaders are leaders, but there should not be a hierarchy. There's no superiority in being a leader. In fact, if anything, there's a greater accountability. <laughs> so, perichoresis talks of that atom, neutron, electron. It talks of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit constantly moving. And it means that if you have a role or position in the church, I mean, many of you will have titles. We, we, we use them. Shown as our prayer director. Brian is the street angels coordinator. But it's not your identity. It's just something that you are moving in until you pass it on to the next person. It's, there's a constant and involving change. For now, I am the senior leader in Yorkshire. I am securing that. That's what God has called me to. No man will take that away. No woman will take that away either. That cannot happen. It's got, it will be God's determination. There will be a point at which my point in the dance will evolve into another position and I will learn new steps, whatever that may be. But the problem is we are often caught up so strongly in our identity of the moment that we forget that everything is just a pass on to the next dance partner. Because we're in this beautiful, beautiful picture of constant evolving movement. But it's that constant movement that actually is the energy and power. Because we talk of the dunamis, don't we? The power of the Holy Spirit. 
Well, the dynamics between... The way I can experience that power is obviously direct, but also in the connection I have with friends. Ryan and Shona are the other senior leaders at Kingdom Faith, but they're my friends. And how many times would the enemy try and destroy a friendship because he knows the power that's there when a group of people are connected? It makes me so sad when someone would leave a church through a text message. It's like, you just didn't get it. How can you do that? Not, how can you do that, you rotten thing, you're leaving, I don't want you to leave. It's, we're family. So we all, I mean, and if anybody, how anybody leads, we always say the door's open to come back. Even if they leave making a big mess, we'll say the door's open. Because the prodigal son left with the father's blessing. And you want them to come back. And then you pray that the ones that were still there don't get annoyed that you've welcomed them back after all the trouble they got. <laughs> but yeah, perichoresis, it, it talks of that constant movement. When they translated it into Latin, it took two words because it's about moving around, changing positions, taking on different... I mean, I'm not saying that God takes on different um, titles, although he has many, <laughs> so I suppose he does in a way. But I'm not saying this moment he's God and this moment he's not God. He, he, he's forever God, but the thing that he's doing is different. He's God your healer. He's God your provider. You know, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit play the different roles, do the different things they need to do in our lives at different times. And so when they translated it in Latin, they, 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 they used the word circumcessio, which means dancing and circling around. But it doesn't mean connection. It doesn't mean us together. Interpenetration is another weird word that's used of, of that connection. I'm connected with Clive. I've known him what seems forever. You know, and he's known me for just the same length of time, oddly enough. But. <laughs> And the other Latin word is circumcessio. You say that's the same word. Yeah, well, one's got an S in the middle and one's got a C in the middle. How weird is that? But the other one is about, the other Latin word is, is, is the connection. So they needed two words because if they only used the one, it would be a dance and a circle of individuals. But it's a dance and a circling of togetherness, of connection. And what is the connection? It is love. When Jesus sat down on the well next to that woman... Sat down so to be less threatening. Disciples disappearing, saying, What's going to happen now? Hoped he wouldn't talk to anyone in this town, and now he's talking to a woman. <laughs> Just give her a track, Jesus, and move on. <laughs> we got a few good ones at the bookshop earlier. Just, just give him one of those. Her one of those. What's he doing now? Oh, he must be preaching the word. Can I have a cup of water? What is he doing? Doesn't he know who she is? Doesn't he know the reputation she must have? I don't know. How often do we as the church risk our whole reputation because we hang out with sinners? But he knew that if this woman's life was going to change, there had to be connection. 
I mean, she tries to go off into a theological discussion. Do you remember this? It's in John 4. If you don't know it and you want to read it later and you don't know the story, I apologize because I'm not preaching. I'm just giving a notice. (laughs) (laughs) He... They have this theological discussion about where you should worship, which Jesus engages with her, but he brings it back to her and her connection with God. And she realizes who he is. And this woman who is hiding from everybody by getting water in midday when no one else is around, disappears back in the town to say, come and see who I have met. And it says in John, it is incredible that Jesus stays there for three or four days. I can't remember. Three or four days in this town. He shouldn't be in Samaria. He certainly shouldn't be in this town. He shouldn't have talked to people. It shouldn't have been a woman. He shouldn't have made himself vulnerable to a woman. And out of that is a revival of people coming to know Jesus. That woman was the first evangelist. In the Orthodox Church, she's, she's often called the evangelist. They say her name is Phototini. It's not in the Bible, but it's a nice little, because it's such a weird name, isn't it, Phototini? And she had children by these different husbands, which I guess is likely. And in their history, I don't know how reliable that is. Who knows? They don't know either, really. It's probably reliable. Her children also become evangelists and go preaching the gospel. It's a nice thought, and that she died in Rome um, after serving God for many, many years and preaching the gospel. Because there must have been more story. I mean, someone might have made that up, but we don't know. But I like some of those bits in church history. <laughs> but the key thing was, he sat next to her. And Clive asked me, what's going on in Yorkshire? That's what's going on in Yorkshire. We're learning to sit next to people that once upon a time we probably would have either been afraid of or just purely not want to. And we're learning to connect. When we got to Scarborough, we realised it's, it's quite a different environment to Horsham. I don't know what the modern statistics are, but when we went up in 2007, it was said that 24% of people in Horsham went to church. And statistically... In Horsham, 24% went to church. Uh, but in Scarborough, the figure for Yorkshire in that area varied between 2% and 9%. And we did some on-street surveys. And basically, the problem was people did not trust the church. You can't teach somebody to follow Jesus if they don't trust the word that comes out of your mouth. The woman at the well had no reason to trust a Jewish rabbi. So Jesus connected so that she could hear. I mean, he was a master at it. It only took a conversation. But if we connect, we will win the most unlikely of people because they'll discover love. Thank you. Clive says, can we pray?
If you feel ready to identify with what I've said this morning, and some of you may need some more time, and that's good. We don't rush into these things. But if you know, yep, I wanted that message this morning. This is part of what God is saying to me. Or this morning God has challenged you for the first time you're thinking I'm in. Then in just a minute when I ask you, we will pray, but we'll stand. But we're going to stand together. Because you're not going to make this decision. And it may be just part of the journey of decision. I'm not saying it's like this is it and it's all changed. Although it may be for some. But the important thing is we're going to do it together. Not just me, but us. Not just I, but us. So that's one of the reasons we often will stand together. It's that sign that we are together. We forget quite often how important that is and how different that is to what's out there. I mean, people are crying out for community, particularly the millennial generation. But the true community is when we learn from the Trinity. So, if that is you and you're ready to stand and pray and feel no condemnation or rejection by sitting, we know you're just thinking and taking things seriously, okay? But if you're ready, yes, I need to learn to live like the Trinity. A community of people, ascending people, a missional people is another word for it. Then we'll stand. So if you're ready, let's stand. Hallelujah. Jesus, I pray now by your grace and by the Holy Spirit, this for many people in the room right now will be one of those seminal moments of moving into the greater things of God. Father, we, we want to be together in the great example that you and the Son and the Spirit are together. We, we want to be that kind of community where the connections between us, the love that connects us, is like nuclear force. In fact, it's stronger than that because this is love. And Father, I feel quite helpless even when I pray this kind of prayer because you see this is big. This is costly. This is me preferring others to myself. And I know that's in the gospel, but I kind of like to ignore it. This morning, Lord, I'm not ignoring it. I'm thinking about it. Prefer others to myself. God, I'm not doing that nearly enough. Change me. Work in me, Lord. I want to be like Jesus in this world. I want people to see me and me with others as the incarnate Christ, as, as Jesus in the world. I want them to look and see there's something different with that group of people. There's something I don't know what's going on in the connections between them. And Father, it's not about me thinking, well, there's not enough love in this place. I want to be the love in this place. Some of you out there right now, you're feeling like, I, I don't feel that connected to the family. Many of you do, most of you do, or that you haven't got friends. I pray for you right now that today you'll start being a friend. 
Today you'll start being part of the family, not just because others connect to you, but you connect to others. That a courage comes upon you, a bravery comes upon you, and you and your family will serve the Lord. You will join with this greater family of God that's here and be part of it. And that the love that is here will be that city set on a hill. The light that's not under a bowl, but brightly shines throughout Sussex and the wider area, Father God. That people say, what is that? Father, we pray for a, what is that? To resound in Horsham and Crawley and Worthing and the other churches. What is that? It will be noised in these streets. It will be noised in these business places. It will be noised in the schools and colleges around here. It will be noised even in the church. It will be noised everywhere. That Jesus is in the house. Father, it's just totally beyond us. But we know that in you, all things are possible. You said to Mary, nothing is impossible with the spoken word of God. So Father, we declare before you, we are your sons and daughters. We are the children of God. We are your people who have been called and chosen for such a time as this. And Father, by your grace and in your mercy... We are called and commissioned by Jesus himself and filled with the Holy Spirit and sent into this world. And Father, in Jesus' name, we commission everyone here, including myself, to be in this world as you were in this world and that Jesus would be famous in Sussex. As people turn to him, families turn to him, whole communities of people come to him. Father, the only sad thing is you won't be able to put the chairs out like this anymore. And you'll have to have more services again. Because you just won't fit them in. Because people will want to sit down next to the Jesus at the well. Because there's a group of people that say, I accept you for who you are right now. And I will just love you and love you and love you until you know that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. And he rose again to give you new life in him. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.